0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. UPR has been presenting some special programs. We've been calling them COVID-19 conversations, answering your questions about the pandemic. We're resuming our conversation today on Access Utah. As the state moves from orange to yellow level, we're asking what that means, how it affects you. We're also asking you what you think in general. Are things moving too fast, too slow? What are your thoughts at this point as we navigate the pandemic together? Our guests include State Senator Lyle Hilliard, Republican from Logan, uh, Gordon Larson, Policy Director with the Governor's Office, uh, Brady Bradford, who is Health Director with the Southeast Utah Health Department and Farron Weiss, who's Health Promotion Director with the Bear River Health Department. You can get your questions or comments to us right now and throughout the hour by email to upraccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com, at gmail.com. We welcome in our guests, uh, Gordon Larson from the Governor's Office. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Good to be here. Good to, good to have you with us. Uh, Senator Hilliard, do we have you on the line? Good, good, good to have you with us. I think we're maybe still getting some other people on the line. Um, Brady Bradford, are you there? I am here. Tom. Okay, good great. Uh, good morning. And uh, Farron Weis with Bear River Health Department, are you there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. Good morning.
0: Okay, great. Uh, good to have you all with us. I want to start with uh, Gordon Larson. So I think Saturday... Uh, we moved in general with some exceptions uh, on the state level from uh, orange to yellow uh, level. Uh, wh- what does that mean? I guess the broad strokes, what does that mean going to yellow level?
2: Yeah, thanks Tom. So this is, uh, this is what the exception as you mentioned of a handful of, of parts of the state. So most of the state did move into um, a, a yellow or low risk posture. Um, with the exception of grand County, Summit County, Wasatch County, Salt Lake City, West Valley City and Magna, um, working with those cities so that they can uh, maintain a, the, the more moderate risk posture and, and have some of the restrictions that come with that. But for most of the rest of the state, as you said, going into yellow, that low-risk posture, um, that will come with, uh, with, with the, the continued encouragement for everyone to wear a mask and to social distance when they're in public, and particularly around high-risk individuals, and to continue practicing good hygiene. Um, and some of the differences, though, is that we were... Uh, encouraging people that that the groups of 50 or fewer that under the moderate yellow wrist posture, or I'm sorry, the moderate orange uh, wrist posture uh, prior to Saturday, we were encouraging groups of no more than 20, uh, meaning when you're getting together with family or friends in a a social gathering, maybe a barbecue in your backyard to to try and limit that to no more than 20. Now it's no more than 50. So that number went up as part of the, the move to a lower wrist posture. Um, team sports are, are allowed with symptom checking. Um, all businesses are, are reopened now with uh, with hygiene uh, practices, masks, social distancing guidance. Um, telework obviously continues as before. Um, playgrounds, pools, cultural events, theaters, restaurants, other uh, recreational gatherings are, are permitted now with guidelines that anyone can access on, on the coronavirus.utah.gov website. Um, The the one clarification we should all uh, be tracking is that uh, uh, schools are still not reopening for the rest of the the 2019-2020 school year. Um, They they may uh, reopen in the fall, and that's something that's still being uh, discussed with direction and guidance by the Utah State Board of Education. So those are a handful of the things. Again, I'd always refer folks back to the coronavirus.utah.gov website for more specific guidance um, on what it means to move into this this
0: low-risk posture. So under, under low-risk, under yellow, uh, tell me about high-risk individuals. Um, I, you know, I have elderly neighbors I, I, <laughs> I want to, you know, would love to interact with. Uh, I don't want to give them the virus. What are, what are the guidelines for high-risk individuals?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Tom. Um, we would continue to encourage those who are age 65 and older and those who uh, of any age who are immunocompromised to continue to follow the stricter guidance for high-risk. Um, and to exercise caution when they're when they're in any kind of social gatherings or travel, um, they, they are they are still the, the population that is most at risk. And we encourage everybody else who's not in that category to try and help those who are, whether family or neighbors or friends, um, to be able to social distance and, and still um, be safe. Um, so that might mean helping them uh, get their groceries. It might mean um, you know do continuing to do. Uh, zoom calls or Skype calls or, or however we're interacting with them to, uh, to keep up those communications, but to do so in a way that allows them to, to maintain that, um, that social distancing and still stay safe.
0: I'm looking at the, uh, the, the state's document, kind of long range planning, uh, urgent phase. And I believe at this point we're, are we moving into the stabilization phase?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're now in the stabilization phase and, um, and so that's not a, as we've talked about before, none of the measures that we're doing are the, the lifting of various um, social distancing guidelines. None of that is a, is a switch that we're flipping. The analogy is a dial that we're turning. And, and of course, the, 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 the fact that Utahns so have, by and large, um, followed the guidelines that have been given and have been careful has allowed us to, to see the data improve, uh, to see hospitalizations uh, stabilize, and to see the transmission rate decrease. Um, and so, again, we're, we're watching that data closely, but uh, you're, you're right. That's uh, we're, we're, We've moved from that urgent phase into that stabilization phase at this point.
0: And, uh, you know, if, the, if this still holds, we're going to have to be patient, I think, right? Stabilization phase during this could run into September and begin the recovery phase, maybe October. Does that timeline kind of still hold or depends on what happens, I guess?
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you hate to give guidelines because I think Dr. Fauci has, has said before it's the virus that's dictating the timelines. it's not us. Um, but but we we can certainly influence the, the spread by by being cautious. But yeah, we uh, we're we're hopeful that if we continue on this trajectory and people are able to go out in public more and to do more of what they did before, but with the added precautions of masks and and uh, creative solutions to. Um, to, to prevent the spread, you know, keeping your, yourself uh, at least six feet apart from other people and, and uh, certainly businesses are finding ways to, to make that realistic and, and safe, um, then we can go we can go back out and, and live some sense of, of, uh, of normalcy um, without seeing spikes in, in transmission. And that's the goal is to, to, to kind of get back to normal without um, seeing the virus uh, increase its spread.
0: I want to turn to Senator Hilliard um, and, uh, I guess, ask you, Senator, the the, kind of the sociology question. Um, I I think I'm detecting a drop-off in people wearing masks, at least the places I've gone in Cache Valley. And uh, maybe, you know, without talking to a lot of people, just observing people um, and impatience to, let's just get back to normal. And uh, you can understand that. I don't know if you're... um, that patience is is required. I don't know if you're hearing those sorts of comments.
3: I am, Tom, and I think uh, patience is really a good word. The other word I think I like to use is balance. Uh, We have to be very careful because we really don't know all that we need to know about the COVID-19. I think all of us are deeply concerned uh, about how how wicked that disease can be. Those who have gotten it have had uh, some really tough problems with it. And I think even though we may open it up to a yellow, I still know people who are going to be very, very cautious about going out because of the fragile nature of their health. There's other people who seem to to think this is no big deal. That's the one that concern me. I think we have to learn a new normal. A new normal is that we have to be careful about spreading disease. This is the type of disease I understand that some people don't even know they have it, and they can be a carrier. Uh, And so I think... uh, That's the thing I hope. The other thing we don't know is how fast it's going to hit. I saw one article where apparently we were going to yellow and somebody, one or two more people died. Aha, that shows it's all wrong. You're not going to know the results of this for several weeks. And even then you're going to wonder uh, where it's really coming from. But I I think we need to be very careful that we don't end up back in the wave portion that we now start crowding our hospitals because that's not something we say, oh, we made a mistake, let's change immediately. Once that gets going down that road, uh, it's a hardship to turn around. And so I think we need to continue to be careful, and I think we've changed what our lifestyles are going to be like. I think more cleanliness and separation and contact are all going to be parts of the future because uh, of of what this uh, pandemic has to, to bring to us
0: uh Bertie bradford with the uh, southeast utah health department uh do you do you agree with that a, a, a new normal we're just going to have to be a little more careful just going forward no matter what happens
4: yeah i i do um we've gotten a lot of questions over the last week about um you know events further down the road in in october or i mean august and september and and what our predictions are there, even if you know if, if we've transitioned into green at that point, and even in in those for all of those, we're, we're recommending plan on on being a little cleaner, plan on having more hand washing stations, and 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 um, finding the high touch, high traffic areas, and making sure those get sanitized, um, no matter what point we we are at. That is it. That's a good transition to make. It's a good transition to to wear masks when, when we're sick and to stay home when we're sick. So there are some elements of this that we hope we can adopt more permanently that will keep us safe for a long time yet.
0: Uh, Brady Bradford, one of the exceptions to, to going to yellow level was Grand County. What What are the factors there?
4: So uh, right now, you know our case count in Grand County, uh, would indicate that it could go to yellow, but uh, we're we're working closely in conjunction with our federal partners down there. Um, Arches, uh, due to some some uh, direction that they received on on how they were to get seasonal workers, they were not able to open yet, and so you recently saw that they indicated they can open on uh, in, or resume operations to some extent on. May 29th, and so it was important for us also to send a message that uh, Grand County is not fully open yet. They, uh, our national parks were receiving people that were not realized that they were um, the gates were closed, and they were getting very upset by that. So it, it, there's uh, an effort to still kind of limit the amount of people in that area so we're not overwhelming, once again, our hospital system, the the grocery stores down there during what is typically a very high, uh, a very busy tourist season. Um, And so we still, and we we were still looking a little bit for for some of that data for the transition to Orange and how that would affect a tourist community like uh, Moab and Grand County.
0: But uh, the other counties you work with, Carbon and Emory, they're, they're to yellow level?
4: They, they are to yellow, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, before I moved to Bear River Health Department, uh, uh, Brady Bradford, uh, are, what are you seeing there? Are you, are you seeing uh, patients? Are people uh, – <laughs> are you seeing what I'm seeing, <laughs> people taking off their mask and, and at least some of them uh, having the attitude, at least that I'm detecting anecdotally, of, hey, let's just get back to normal?
4: Um. Honestly, yeah, I am, I am seeing that to some degree. I am feeling like a lot of people already feel like we are in green, particularly in our counties where we haven't had a, a large caseload, and, and so they haven't seen some of the um, health impacts that COVID can cause. Um, on, on the other side of the spectrum, in Grand County, we are seeing a lot of our residents are being very careful and very diligent about the, their use of face coverings and those people that are visiting are not as much, and that's a little bit disheartening for us. That it seems to, to show kind of a disregard for the local workers and the local population. And we would hope that, as people do visit some of our uh, smaller tourist communities, that they really take into consideration those people that are um, being exposed through the tourism industry or hospitality industry, and and um, Put on a face covering when when during those interactions as the guidelines recommend
0: mm. let me turn to uh farron weiss who's health promotion director with the bear river health department uh what are we seeing in uh, the bear river health department uh, area uh are the are the cases increasing staying level and i guess to, to to follow up on what i've been asking the the other folks here what are you seeing in terms of uh, people's attitudes as far as you can determine
1: well, with those case counts have uh, 89 in our health district in Box Elder, Cash, and, and Rich Counties. Um, it it kind of varies. Uh, we've seen some increases. We've seen some decreases, but we're still seeing cases uh, for sure. Um, I, I, would, I would echo with what has been said regarding uh, the masks already. There's there, there is a lot of good things you can see uh, in a lot of the businesses in town. A lot of the businesses have, have implemented the, the guidelines, and they've got their employees wearing masks at, at restaurants. The, the school districts are doing a number of things to implement the guidelines. The, the, you, you do see a, it tends to appear that there's a, a, a fewer people wearing masks. Uh, there, you still see a lot of them. In grocery stores or uh, out and about, but uh, you do see a little bit of, of uh, uh, a decrease in the people wearing face masks. Uh,
0: what are you seeing, uh, maybe follow up with the businesses, uh, that under uh, yellow level, maybe uh, is there loosening restrictions regarding businesses? And Are you seeing businesses start to, uh, maybe some businesses who, had a lower flow of customers now receive more is that is it helping economically
1: um, we, we've heard uh, you know some of the businesses that have implemented some creative uh, some strategies to implement uh, the, the guidelines they've they've done okay no doubt there's been a, an impact on a lot of the businesses negatively with uh, it's been hard to, you know, if, if workers are sick and they're not coming to work, and, and uh, the decrease in revenue, that's that's made an impact for sure. Uh, but but the businesses, a, a number of them, have reached out to us and have worked with our staff to implement guidelines. and And we, we've heard a, you know, a lot of people have called, and we've tried to educate a lot of our, our businesses to help implement these practices that will get people back into business but still keep people safe. Mm.
0: Uh, if you just joined us, we are talking uh, about uh, the pandemic in Utah and uh, taking your questions. So we'd love to get your question or comment uh, for our panel here uh, by email, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Love to get your uh, your question or your comment. What, what do you think? Um, now, you know, moving into May now and uh, moving for most areas of Utah to yellow level or lower risk level. Uh, what do you think about the pandemic? Uh, What are your worries? What are your hopes? And we're talking with uh, State Senator Lyle Hilliard, Gordon Larson, Policy Director with the Utah Governor's Office, uh, Brady Bradford with the Southeast uh, Health Utah Health Department, and Farron Weiss, uh, who's with the Bear River Health Department. Again, upraxcess at gmail.com. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more.
1: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Cache Valley Chamber of Commerce, offering COVID-19 resources, video meetings, and social media exposure, building value for all types of Cache Valley businesses. Details at CacheChamber.com.
2: This is a one-minute preview of Episode 5 of Debunked. I'm Tim Light, and I'm joined by Dr. Patrick Green. The myth we're debunking today in one minute is addiction can be cured if you have enough willpower.
0: I don't think that we would see as much suffering, pain, death, loss, if it was something that was as easy as just trying harder. Any chronic disease involves change in function of some organ, in this case it's the brain. Any other illness that we treat, we're willing to use medications to try and restore a more normal level of function. When we're talking about opiate dependence in particular, and the use of either methadone or buprenorphine, and those medications are absolutely life-saving.
2: The refusal to acknowledge addiction as a chronic illness presents barriers in access to life-saving interventions, such as medication for addiction treatment and other harm reduction practices. Join us for the full debunking of this myth on Episode 5 of Debunked. You can find the episode on the podcast app, upr.org, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts.
0: Thanks for joining us for Axis, Utah. It's COVID Conversation. We're asking uh, questions and uh, inviting your questions and comments on the pandemic in Utah uh, today. Upraccess at gmail.com is the way to get your question or comment to us. Upraccess at gmail.com. Do you have a question for our panel Uh, Do you have a comment? We're talking with State Senator Lyle Hilliard, Gordon Larson with the Governor's Office, Brady Bradford with Southeast Utah Health Department, and Varen Weiss with the Bear River Health Department. Upraxis at gmail.com. So, Gordon Larson, uh, this struck me. I saw a Washington Post headline uh, talking about how public restrooms are perhaps a stumbling block for full reopening. Uh, People's reticence to... To, to, and worries about public uh, restrooms. That's something fairly simple, but, uh, you know, something that, uh, an example of something we'll have to think about going forward, especially uh, when we get to a point where we open up events.
2: Yeah, I think um, not not just with respect to restrooms, but any, any public site that has a lot of sort of high-touch areas is going to be something where um, employers or, or local governments that, those who are responsible for those locations are um, just going to need to uh, kind of up our game a little bit and, and make sure that um, that we are regularly cleaning uh, any high-touch areas and that we're offering the public the confidence that um, that, that, uh, that that it's safe to go out, it's safe to go into a, um, a retail establishment because they are cleaning it regularly and and, um, and they're taking extra precautions more than they normally would. Um, so it, it, it's it's impossible for Um, For for a a local government or a business to consider every conceivable scenario um, or for individuals and families to consider every uh, conceivable scenario, um, I think a big part of this is using common sense. And, um, you know, when you're going out and about, in addition to the mask that we've talked about, maybe bring some disinfecting wipes um, or or some mode of, you know, some hand sanitizer if you can get your hands on that, some way of kind of cleaning your hands regularly. Um there's, there's an element of, of kind of personal responsibility and thinking outside the box and, and doing those things will allow us to, to get back to a sense of normalcy with these additional precautions. Mm.
0: Uh, and confidence is a key word, right? We're, we're trying to, and as a government, you can send signals, right? You send guidelines. Uh, in some cases, you know, in many cases, you can't force people to do things. It's going to have to be people yeah, I, working together.
2: I think that's. I think that's right, Tom. That's a really good point. It, you know, the, the 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 spirit of what uh, Utah's approach has been has been let's offer consistent, accurate, uh, timely, um, easy to understand information and guidance, and and, and encourage people to, to take responsibility for themselves and to, um, to to act out of civic mindedness and and and. Uh, and, and for concern for their, their families and their neighbors and anybody else they're going to come in contact with. And so we, we've we issued um, uh, gobs of, of guidance and information, again, uh, all of which can be found on the coronavirus.utah.gov website. And I, and I think by and large, uh, Utahans have, have heeded that, and that's why we're, we're able to relax some of these social distancing guidelines. But it's incumbent on all of us to continue doing those things and to take the spirit of the guidance that's been given and Think about how does this apply to me and my family, my specific situation, how can I, um, how can I be safe? Uh,
0: Senator Hilliard is a public servant. You're you're you kind of have your finger on the pulse, right? Uh, as part of your job, what uh, we've talked in previous programs about this. I wonder what you're hearing from constituents at this point. Kind of a, kind of the range of concerns or, or hopes.
3: Well, I'm hearing all sorts of ranges, and one group would have everybody lock themselves in the house hide under the bed for another couple of months until we know it's gone. Uh, Other groups feel like this is all kind of a nonsense thing and uh, it's all way overblown. You have to tell people that we need to be careful for ourselves and for our neighbors. I've said, you you wear a mask, not so much to protect yourself, but not to spread it to somebody else. So when I see somebody wearing a, a mask, it tells me they're concerned about me. I think that's the kind of message we need to get out in this area. I've, I've, in the last several months, I was called by various businesses at the time when we were going into the shutdown, whether they were essential or not. And I told them that's going to be an impossible job for the governor to assess every one of those, but it makes his job much easier if they check with the favorite health department and make sure they implement at their store, their business, whatever it may be, every kind of safeguard they can have. Because so I suspect this, if I walk into a store and I see people coughing, I see people not wearing masks, I'm not going back. I may walk right out and not come back again. And I think that really hurts the business because you can say what you want, people have to feel comfortable coming in your business because they're not going to leave your house and not going to grin. So I think the, the pulse is here. I think, generally speaking, most people want to want to be helpful want to do what they can do and protect themselves and protect their neighbors. And I, I like that spirit in, in, uh, in northern Utah. because I think that's why, with the good work of our Barrier Health Department, that our numbers are so low. I think we really are pretty conscientious about following it. And of course, there's always outriders, but I think we have to work and educate them as well to make this a, comf- uh, a comfortable community that we have.
0: Mm. I talk a little bit about the emotional uh, toll of, of this. And it's an emotional toll either way, right? It's, it's kind of a Chinese water torture. You know, you, 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 you have that in the background at all, at all times, worrying about it. And so we want to shorten it as best we can. Uh, on the other, fa- uh, the other hand, and, you know, until you sort of reopen, uh, you've got an emotional toll. People cooped up together. Uh, Senator Hilliard, what do, you, what do you think about that?
3: example is my wife she has some heart issues so she's obviously concerned about it but it's been kind of fun to take her in a car and just go for a ride and you can go stay in the car drive around see things kind of get out and do it that way I see a lot of people I, I like to walk in the morning so I'm not walking uh, I just need a social distance when you do that and you see a lot of other people out walking I think we need to learn for ourselves how we can do that but I'm I'm concerned about most people who don't have support, the person living alone, the person who maybe there's two elderly people living together and they're concerned. And I think uh, how we need as a society to reach out and be concerned, is if we don't see our neighbors outside for a while, and they pay call on this visit when they're on the phone and do those kinds of things. But uh, I think there's a restlessness, but I think the way the governor's offices handle it, I think the way of moving and we're making, I think he's showing people
0: through his at the end of the tunnel the that we need to do and continue to do things, but this is not going to be the way of life for the next 20 years. Mm. Uh, Bertie Bradford, uh, I want to continue this question on, on you know, the emotional uh, toll. We know that uh, we've seen statistics uh, in domestic abuse spikes when people are cooped in together, You know that sort of thing. It's darned if you do, darned if you don't, right? Kind of a thing.
4: Yeah, and that's certainly been on our mind at the health department. Um, I mentioned before that we uh, have programs in our health promotion uh, regarding suicide uh, awareness and prevention and and uh, specifically opiate addiction and things like that. And, and so we have certainly been, um, that has been on our mind. It's been on our mind that this takes, uh, as people are worried about, you know, Paying paying rent or paying the mortgage, the the emotional and psychological toll that takes on them, Um, and so while many people that have been frustrated with the shutdowns um, have felt like we are just unilaterally closing things early on, um, really that's never been the case. We've been really paying attention to all of the the different uh, factors involved in um, this
0: this community effort. Mm. Um, uh, Ask a similar question uh, of you, Farenweiss, uh with the Bear River uh, Health Department. Uh, are, are you seeing these uh, these sorts of cases uh, spike? And it's, uh, you know, we need to social distance. And we have been sheltering in place, maybe loosening up now, but uh, the, the shelter in place takes a toll, too.
1: Uh, like you said, it's a, sometimes catch-22. A lot of people have enjoyed the, the time with their families, but there are those individuals who are alone or single, don't have family with them. That, that takes a toll. Um, and so there's there's been uh, some efforts to, to reach out, to help your neighbor, to, to visit those uh, people. You know, keep your distance. Uh, obviously, stay home if you're sick and, and avoid contact, but uh, you can make a phone call, a text to your neighbors, those people who are around you. Now, there's a number of resources if, if uh, we are struggling, if we have uh, some, some social anxiety, some some mental health concerns. As Brady mentioned, there's a number of uh, health promotion programs that are available. There are some classes we're doing online to help with that. We've got we've opened up our, our counselors here at the health department to provide some online and some counseling over the phone to help with any of those types of issues. And so uh, that, that's part of the effort now is the kind of the aftermath of we're trying to prevent the disease we want of, of COVID. We want to also make sure we keep everybody safe and healthy and, and moving forward, too, with
2: some of the, the new guidelines we have in place. Hey,
0: Thomas, uh, yes. I want to turn back. Yes. Yes, go ahead. A
2: couple of resources very mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, this, is, this is Gordon again. I just thought I'd chime in with a couple of suggestions of, of resources we have. And I'll just echo what's already been said, that the stress and emotional fall of living under um, these these health restrictions and adjustments can clearly be overwhelming. Uh, but there are there's, there's, uh, resources, uh, professional um, counseling that's available for free. Uh, the, the first I'll mention is uh, an emotional health relief hotline that's offered by Intermountain Healthcare uh, for free to anyone in the state. And that's open uh, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. The number is 833-442-2211. Again, that's uh, an emotional health relief hotline available to anyone at 833-442-2211. And then coincidentally, this month, May, is, is National Suicide Prevention, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, it's National Mental Health Awareness Month, and last Friday was National Suicide Prevention Day. Um, so there are resources available for those who are who are having suicidal uh, thoughts during this time, and the hotline for that is 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255, and encourage anyone who's, who's struggling to avail to themselves of those resources.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, I wonder, Brady Bradford, any contact points you'd like to put out there? And I'll ask Farron Weiss the same question as well.
2: Um,
4: I, I like what, what Gordon said, but I know that individually um, communities have some mental health resources. Sometimes they're connected with the local health department. Sometimes they're um, separate. Um down here in our area we have Four Corners Mental Health um, that has, that's very, been very active in, in responding and very concerned about health but certainly mental health. And so um, in, in many of the rural areas if you reach out to the Association of Local Governments uh, they have a compilation of, of many different types of resources whether it be for mental health or if, it, if those other Needs of getting back on your feet, uh, access to food, um, um, so that that's been what we have been pushing here locally is those comprehensive uh, sources of uh, of all of the resources people need to to feel like they are living a complete life and, and uh, people have people to, to back
1: them up.
0: Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Fern Weese. Any contact points you'd like to mention?
1: Yeah, we've we've got a mental health resource directory online. If you go to our the Bear River Health Department's uh, webpage, it's BRHD for Bear River dot org. We have a mental health resource directory that references a lot of those things we've talked about already. Some some great local resources uh, for people, or, or they can if people want to call the Bear River Health Department. We've got Uh, We can link people to some services, counselors here or throughout the community or the great resource that Mr. Larson spoke about. Call us at
0: Mm -hmm. 435-792-6500. Senator Hilliard, I know you you have to get going here in about five minutes, so I'll direct this uh, first to you. Um, Unfortunately, I think I'm detecting... Um, you know, parts of this, uh, our response to the pandemic uh, becoming or have become politicized. I don't know if you've sensed that. You know, at least I'm, you know, read comments and you you overhear things. Um, you know, I'm not going to wear a mask because of political reasons, or I am going to wear a mask because I'm sending a political message. I don't know if you're seeing this.
3: I am, and I'll tell you, I don't see it so much on the state level. I think uh, the governor, lieutenant governor, and their COVID uh, program, have been, co- have been really uh, outreaching and, and involving everyone. I'm sorry to see that on a national level. I said to my wife the other day, if uh, Trump would say he does like one, then immediately that's bad. If he says he likes something else, that changes. Uh, it really has become, a, a national level, a political thing. And I, I hate to see that because you need to be able, and I, again, I appreciate what uh, our state has done. I know... Uh, President Adams sends out to us every day a COVID update, and, and this is really good information. I try to share it with the people who follow me on on email because it's it's really good, straight information, and not the hype involved. so uh, if you're right, uh, I have people who call and say, "I'm not going to wear my mask. I mean, this is no a big problem at all. A conspiracy." And other people who are so frightened by what they hear that they they never go out. I don't know how we solve that on a national episode. Thankfully, as I said, I think the state has done a really good job in keeping it focused on the facts and not politics.
0: Uh, so, Senator Hill, you, you mentioned that, uh, you know, the, I guess uh, email you can send out to people. How do, how do people get on that list?
3: My email This is a contact me on Lyle, with these all small letters, L-Y-L-E at H-A-O dash law dot com. That's L-Y-L-E at h-a-o-law.com and just ask, uh, add me to your list. And uh, I have a list that I send out things almost daily now. But during the regular session, I do it every week during the session, and I do it every month during the off-session times at least. I give more information. When I see what I think to be factual information, I don't try to do politics. When I see a, a Republican or a Democratic, on something. I try to not do that. I try to keep just the facts. The Health Department does a
0: very good job. I like to send their information out because I think they're dealing with facts and not politics. So that's Lyle at hao-law.com. Um, so finally, a Senator, for we we'll let you go here, um, the legislature, I think it, uh, having a series of special virtual sessions, right? You know, it's
3: really going to be a real challenge. We're meeting next week. I I chair the public uh, appropriations committee meeting, and so we're going to have a virtual open meeting where we're going to have the uh, uh, State uh, Department of Education come up and give us various scenarios. Say, for example, we're down 2% in revenue, 5% or 10%. What they see is various options we could do uh, to help cover that as we go into the new fiscal year that starts July 1st. Uh, I'm in the afternoon of that same day I'm doing higher education, the same thing. Again, uh, I'm looking at it this way that it's not budget cuts. It's just looking at agencies and seeing where we can hold back spending until we see where we really go. That's a real challenge. We have no idea whether this pandemic is going to go for another week, another month, or another five years. And also, we don't know where it's going to all bottom out. We do know but revenues have dropped out dramatically because of income and selling and or buying or using sales tax or gasoline tax, and all those are going to impact the economy. We feel very comfortable that we were in a good position before this hit, so the real things are in place that we can bring back the economy quite well once we get a confidence of people going out. But you can't turn the light out on a business, walk away from it for two months, come back and turn the lights back on and have it the same place you got to find your employees, you got to find your customers. It's going to be a challenge, but, uh, again, I think we're gearing towards moving into that as quick as we can because we don't want to move too fast, because if we do, we could end up with another second wave here and back at the shutdown, and that doesn't do anybody any good.
0: Well, uh, thank you, uh, Senator Hilliard. I know you got to get going here, so we'll, we'll say goodbye. Thank you for being with us.
3: Glad to be a part of your program. Thanks,
0: Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, continue with the last segment with Gordon Larson from the Governor's Office, Brady Bradford from Southeast Utah Health Department, and uh, Farron Weiss with uh, Bear River Health Department. More following this.
1: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Cache Valley Chamber of Commerce, offering COVID-19 resources, video meetings, and social media exposure, building value for all types of Cache Valley businesses. Details at cashchamber.com.
4: This is Debbie Andrew. As a service to you, Utah Public Radio is providing on-air and online resources for ways you can take advantage of social distance recreating in your hometown. Representatives from Davis, Garfield, Cache, and other tourism areas are sharing ideas about unique hiking trails, scenic drives, and places to grab an on-the-go bite to eat. If you missed the message here, you can always get more information on our Project Resilience webpage. Find the link online at upr.org.
5: Senegal is the source of much of West Africa's most
4: melodic and
5: inspired music. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll explore some of the rich musical traditions and hear contemporary voices. I'm Rosalie Howard. Join us for Senegal, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. Friday night at 11 on Utah Public Radio.
0: Thanks for joining us for COVID Conversations on Access Utah. We're answering your questions about the pandemic and uh, taking stock of where we are. Uh, Utah, with uh, some localized exceptions, has gone now to the yellow level, and we're asking what that means for you. You can get us your question or comment right now. Uh, how are you feeling? What are your worries? What are your hopes? Uh, what are your practices? What are you doing uh, in, in terms of have you changed And do you think you're changing to a new normal that Senator Hilliard uh, mentioned? Uh, What would that look like? Um, uh, You can uh, comment or question uh, to us right now, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. We have with us uh, Gordon Larson, policy director with the uh, Utah Governor's Office, Brady Bradford, health director with Southeast Utah Health Department, and Vern Weiss, health promotion director with the Bear River Health uh, Department. Let me start in this segment with you, Gordon Larson. the, you uh, maybe just comment on this. I don't know what information you have, but the Navajo Nation is just really getting hammered. I'm reading this from the CNN. Navajo Nation has surpassed New York and New Jersey for the highest per capita coronavirus infection rate in the US. Um, and uh, the, the cases are, are just uh, just spiking on the Navajo Nation. I don't know what your, your numbers from San Juan County or what numbers you have.
2: Yes, on that, it really is tragic to see how heavily they've been impacted there. Um, I, our Utah Department of Health has worked closely with the San Juan County Health Department um, and has been down there on a regular basis testing um, hundreds and hundreds uh, through a mobile testing unit that's able to go down there. So, p- part of the increase that you've seen is uh, just the result of increasing testing down there, um, so cases that probably already existed, but uh, now we're discovering them as so we do more testing. Um, so that, that is a, it's a challenge. It's a remote area. Obviously, it's hard to get to. There's not, um, there's not the, the healthcare services, um, in southeastern Utah that obviously we have one in Wasatch Farm or even in, um, southwestern Utah. So, um, that's going to continue to be a, a hot spot and an area of focus for, you know, for our Department of Health and, and uh, for all the partners that we work with, to uh, get them access not only to the testing, but the healthcare resources that they need and, and try and contain that outbreak down there.
0: Yeah, I saw on Facebook there was a drive to to get uh, hand sanitizers and and the like, a little bit of food. Uh, they they got uh, they they hit their goal at least on that that Facebook uh, drive. I was wondering if they'd get the hand sanitizers and such because I, I I certainly can't find it in the stores. Uh, that's uh, yeah, I,
2: no, it, it it is a challenge. Now we we're encouraged to see that some of the supplies that a month or more ago were, were just. You know, just broken, and there, and it was taking a long time to get access to hand sanitizer, to PPE, to uh, I'm sorry, personal protective equipment, including masks and gowns and gloves and such. Those supply chains are starting to, to come back online and to become more reliable. Um, one of the, 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 the early steps that the state took was to establish a um, a, a central location where we would uh, we would gather all of the uh, supplies that the state was purchasing along with those that were being sent to us by uh, the, the federal government, and then distribute those out to the 13 local health districts as well as our hospital systems. And then from there, they go to um, our, our tribal partners, including the Navajo Nation. Um, and, and so they, they are being supplied. It has been encouraging to see, you know, the governor has regular conversations with President Nez, who's the president of the Navajo Nation. He's shown uh, really impressive leadership. Uh, providing uh, food and, and supplies to his people and, and again, these very remote locations that they haven't been able to um, go out and resupply in the same way that they normally would. Um, so, so people really are stepping up um, uh, residents of Utah, including uh, those in southeastern Utah, as well as those in the Navajo Nation, their leadership to help um, help their neighbors and their, their friends.
0: Before I turn to our, our health directors, um, uh, Gordon Larson, I want to direct this at you. I, I'm I'm seeing some comments. You know, you look at the comments section, and also anecdotally, uh, especially in rural uh, areas, which thankfully have 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 had you know relatively few cases. And what some people are saying is, well, this look, this is proof that we didn't need these draconian measures earlier on. What would you say to that?
2: Yeah, no, that's an interesting observation. I think early on, uh, when we first set up the Utah's COVID-19 task force, we had some good counsel from former governor Mike Leavitt, who of course was the, uh, after his 10 years governor was the, um, the secretary of health and human services in Washington, D.C. And, and dealt with um, the SARS pandemic and other similar challenges. And he said, you know, you're, you're going to face this challenge that whenever, whatever you do early on that prevents um, a disaster is going to be perceived as, as overkill and unnecessary. Whatever you do after the fact will be perceived as too late, um, and, and so we're we seeing it happen. I, I would say that certainly being accused of having done too much um, is is a better problem than um, than having you know our healthcare system be overwhelmed and not having access. So that's, that's uh, it's, it's unfortunate that, to see folks that sometimes view it that way. But I think um, Utah is in a good spot healthcare-wise because of those early actions. Um, to, to to slow the spread, um, and so that's what we'd rather face that problem than than uh, have a really high mortality rate, where we've seen in other states and other countries that haven't been able to get a, a good a hold on on the spread as quickly as Utah did.
0: Hmm. Uh, let me turn to uh, Brady Bradford with the Southeast Utah Health Department. Um, I, I think uh, school districts are are taking their cue from health departments, right, and so. What factors are you looking at to, you know, come fall, that, that is, we're looking ahead, but uh, come fall to, to, to make that decision, open or, or not, the, the K-12 schools?
4: Well, certainly we'll keep in touch and, and get additional direction from the commission and the, the guidelines issued throughout the state. But yes, you know, in fact, I'm meeting with a couple of principals here in, in a few minutes. From our local school districts to, to talk about some of those issues. So certainly, we'll continue to keep an eye on the transmission rate in our communities and how many cases and we have. What, how many cases, or uh, what's the positive test testing rate uh, in our communities? But additionally, we'll we'll look through the summer to to what um, advancements are made. Are there advancements as far as a vaccine goes, or? What advancements are made in terms of treatment? Um, certainly, our hospitals have taken advantage of the time that uh, we've bought them as communities to ramp up their ability to respond, and we're grateful for that. But uh, we do have the advantage of lo- locally of of knowing the schools, of knowing the school nurses, and and understanding what communication the administration can have with their teachers and the students to implement, uh, whether it it might be the use of face masks, how they'll uh, seat children in the schools and how they might limit um, assemblies and other kind of large gatherings in order to prevent spread. So um, we are grateful that our school School districts right now are thinking about those very items. They're starting to put plans in place to be open in the fall, uh, knowing that that things will be modified just a little bit. Um,
0: uh, I want to ask the same question, Fern Weiss, with the Bay River Health Department. It's I mean, it's, it's tough with kids because if <laughs> you you want social distancing, probably, but uh, kids just don't social distance. So, what, what are the factors? That that you're looking at to, to make that decision on open or not, K through
1: 12. Well, the factors we'll work on with the schools are definitely the, the guidelines. We we think the guidelines the governor's put out are, are are good. They're they're based on public health practice, and and we'll continue to encourage those. Um, echo with what uh, Brady said, and I know just my counterparts. A lot of local health departments have had great partnership and cooperation with our school districts. Uh, here we've worked uh, we've had regular calls with superintendents and faculty and staff from all of our school districts here locally. Um, it's It's been impressive to see all the solutions they bring to the table and then we use the guidelines to see how we can help them be successful in keeping number one faculty, students, um, administrators safe um, but yet having kids get back to school and and uh, that, that's going to be a, a kind of the the new norm we're facing and, and working out the schools now. Is, is that point exactly? As kids, um, they haven't seen their friends for a while, and when they, they want to get a hug, and they're going to give a high five and a chest bump. And you know, with sports getting back into place, and, and we're going to have to be diligent as, as parents, individuals, uh, as health departments, uh, public health officials. We got to help uh, teach the kids. You know that there's a there's a time and a place, and, and we got to learn some of these new practices to help keep everybody safe. But if we do that, we can get back and be successful to get back to hopefully the new normal. And and uh, we're going to have to be very diligent with, with educating our, our communities about that.
0: Gordon Larson, I want to talk uh, here at the Andrews to have a couple minutes left about the economy. Um, I, I think that unemployment claims have not been as high as nationally, but it's, it's, I'd, I'd, I expect there's been a, a jump in unemployment uh, with with the uh with the pandemic
2: yeah no that's without a doubt and it's going to be a, a long road back i, I do think uh, utah is, is poised uh to, to do probably better and to have a faster recovery we've uh the governor had a phone call last week with some of his governors and with an analyst from moody uh, an economist who talked about the factors that will help a state to recover quickly um, and, and Utah fits many of those descriptions. So it's the states who have weathered the healthcare aspect of it better than average, right? And not have their healthcare system overwhelmed or had a big impact that way will tend to recover faster. Uh, states that have a little bit more diversification in their economy, uh, not overly reliant on, on one industry, whether it's energy or tourism or uh, something else in Utah is one of the most diverse if not the most diverse economies we have the finance and the tourism and the energy and um, and hospitality and a variety of other industries that help support the economy so um, and then I would also say if you Forbes um, put out a list last week of the the top ten cities that are poised to recover uh, most quickly and, and both Salt Lake City and Provo were on that list so we're happy to see that but that's not to put a um you know, it's a real silver lining on this. I mean, it is going to be a, a, a long road, um, and, I, and I think the the best we can do is um, go back to the advice that that we talked about earlier in the program, Tom, which is um, let's, let's wear masks, let's take those precautions seriously, let's continue to social distance in creative ways so that we can get back to work and get back to, um, to to purchasing things and going about our lives, but with those added precautions. There, somebody told me recently there should be a, a huge you look at a Venn diagram, there should be 100% overlap between those who want to get back to work and get back to normalcy and those who want to wear masks. And that should be complete overlap because that's the way that we do it, not just masks, but the other um, guidelines and precautions that we've talked about.
0: Well, we'll we'll leave it there. We're out of time. Uh, We've been talking with Gordon Larson, Policy Director with Utah Governor's Office. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Tom. Uh, Brady Bradford, Health Director with Southeast uh, Utah Health Department. Thank you.
2: Thank you,
4: Tom.
0: And Fern Weiss, Health Promotion Director with the Bear River Health Department. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it.
0: And our thanks to State Senator Lyle Hilliard, who joined us uh, earlier. Uh, Keep uh, those comments and questions coming, upraxis at gmail.com, and uh, stay tuned. We'll have uh, much more here on Access Utah on the uh, pandemic as uh, we go forward. Thanks for listening today. I'm Jay Allison, producer of The Moth Radio Hour, and I hope you'll join us for our show here on Utah Public Radio. With true personal stories told live without notes to standing room crowds around the world, moth shows are renowned for the range of human experience they reveal. That's The Moth Radio Hour, Saturday evening at 6, right here on Utah Public Radio.
5: Cash Arts and Utah Public Radio announcing The Moth is coming to Cash Valley this fall. Heard on UPR Saturdays at 6 p.m., the popular storytelling program will perform a live moth main stage show October 22nd at the Ellen Eccles Theater in Logan. Moth storytellers stand alone under a spotlight with only a microphone and a room full of strangers. For fans of the program and anyone interested in excellent and true stories, you won't want to miss this show. Tickets and more information coming this summer at CashArts.org.
0: Utah Public Radio is a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, K U S U F M Logan. Also heard at upr.org.
5: You may have heard, Utah Public Radio and Bridgerland Audubon Society are presenting the Grown Native for Birds Bookmark Art Contest. All of Utah's wild birds rely on native plants in the wild and in our parks and gardens. This art contest is celebrating that beauty. The winning design will be printed on an educational bookmark that will be distributed to Utah libraries, local fourth graders, and online, available for you to download. For all of the details, go to UPR.org.